Amen. What's up, City Light? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Paul. Sitting over there, you're normally right here. I'm like, where the Holy Spirit's flying in from left field today? That's awesome. I love it. My name is Doug, and I hope you guys had an awesome Thanksgiving. Uh, we have so much to be thankful for, don't we? Just last week, a bunch of you guys gave shoe boxes. We probably gave a couple hundred shoe boxes as a church so that children around the world could have Christmas who wouldn't have it otherwise. Roger and Cheryl, who are a part of our church, they kind of organized this um, Operation Christmas Child shoebox drive for our whole city. And they began the whole drive praying for 1,000 shoeboxes. This past Monday, when it was all counted, loaded up in the truck and everything, there were 1,004 shoeboxes that came in. So, love it. Super exciting to see that. We love that we got to be a part of not just our church being generous, but our whole city, different individuals, organizations, churches throughout our city being generous. And I'm so thankful that you guys are discipling me, you're teaching me in how to give generously. And now it's Christmas time. Like truly, for real, play the Christmas carols without getting in trouble with the not yet Christmas police, right? Merry Christmas, City Light. Merry Christmas. Yeah, and for our church, that means we're going to be looking at, going through a series of messages, looking at the spirit of Christmas. And by the spirit of Christmas, I'm not talking about Charles Dickens' Christmas Carol ghost. I'm not talking about that sentiment that we feel when the turkey comes out of the oven and the cranberry sauce tastes so good. Not even talking about the ability to put up with Uncle Clark or Cousin Eddie. We are talking about the Spirit of God Himself, the third member of the Holy Trinity, the true, biblical, divine, and delightful Holy Spirit of God. That's who we're talking about. So maybe by way of introduction to the Holy Spirit, I should share how I was introduced to the Holy Spirit. Many of you know I was a church kid growing up, and I was a nerd, okay? So for me, that meant I read theology books when I was a teenager, all right? And one of the early influential books that I read was this book called The Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life by a guy named Charles Stanley. Now, the church that I grew up in, we pretty much believed in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Bible, okay? Like we would study our Bibles a lot, preach Jesus a little bit, then go back and study our Bibles a lot. And as good and great as that Bible study was, I don't remember ever talking about the Holy Spirit. So then I see this book cover, and I'm like, what is that guy talking about? To me, spirit-filled meant like you had to get out and dance in the aisles or you had to like levitate people out of wheelchairs using a magic force or something, just being honest, okay? And then all of a sudden I see this book over, I'm like, what is this? But I got the book, I read it cover to cover, and dare I say, I began a relationship with the Holy Spirit. I realized that the Holy Spirit is important, essential and integral to walking with Jesus in real life. Really, being spirit-filled is more about making much of Jesus and having an intimate relationship with Jesus than it is about big stadiums loaded with crowds of people watching some guy get a secret message sent into his headset. And as I studied the Bible with fresh eyes and connected some dots together, I realized 
I need the Holy Spirit. I need this Holy Spirit. So I started on a journey. And that journey has taken me deeper into studying the scriptures than I would have ever gone on my own. That journey has led me to embrace all of the spiritual gifts as these beautiful expressions of God himself. That journey, it has set my heart free. It has kept me slightly scared. And it has given me fresh faith over and over again in my life. It's a journey of studying, discovering, listening to, learning about, living with, loving and liking the Holy Spirit of God. You know, when I began that journey, I used to think that the Bible just didn't have that much to say about the Holy Spirit. Well, I was wrong. The Bible has a lot to say about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's there at the very beginning. Verse 2 of the whole Bible, he's hovering over the waters. And then the Holy Spirit's there at the very end in Revelation 22, where he's saying, oh, come Lord Jesus, would you come for us? So the Holy Spirit's there from eternity past to eternity future. He's all along in the story of Scripture. The Holy Spirit's all over the Bible. You might say it this way. In the storyline of Scripture, Jesus gets the lead role. Right, the, sh- the spotlight is on Jesus. He's the protagonist. He's the centerpiece around which all the other action revolves. But the Holy Spirit is the one moving the story along. The Holy Spirit is the one making the story happen. The Holy Spirit is the director of the movie, setting the scenes, shining the spotlight on Jesus. So the story is all about Jesus, but it is all driven by the Holy Spirit. And the Christmas story that we find in Luke chapter 1 and 2, it's no different. The story is about the birth of Jesus Christ, but the Holy Spirit's right there working and weaving and filling and flowing. Yes, the story is all about Jesus, but it is all driven by the Holy Spirit. So if you will, let's jump into this story together and discover the spirit of Christmas. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to Luke chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 13 and pick it up there. You can open your apps and go there. So in Luke chapter 1, I should just say, um, Luke was written by this really smart, precise, well-researched doctor named Luke, right? It kind of makes sense. The, na- the book is named after the writer. Now, Luke's writing, it isn't flashy, and it is thorough. So thorough Luke starts this story of the birth of Jesus with the story of the birth of Jesus' cousin named John. And John's dad is Zechariah, a priest. So one day, Zechariah's doing his job, going to work, being faithful to God, and Zechariah and his other priest buddies um, they draw straws to see who goes into the temple to do their duty that day. Well, Zechariah draws the short straw or the long short straw. I'm not for sure which one it is. And he gets temple duty that day, okay? Zechariah goes into the temple just doing his normal routine and boom, an angel shows up, okay? Not just the regular ho-hum of temple duty. This is an angel of the almighty God, strong and powerful. So Zechariah is kind of like, whoa. He's a little bit scared. He's kind of freaking out. And so we'll pick it up in verse 13 when the angel says, Do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. 
So apparently, Zechariah had had this desire, this prayer request, to have a boy, to have a son. But now he and his wife are too old to have children anymore. But that's no big deal to God. He's going to answer his prayer anyway, okay? We'll pick it back up. The angel keeps going, verse 15, or no, 14. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink. Okay, so there's, pause right there. There's some kind of cool, exciting stuff. He's going to be great before the Lord. And then there's this interesting or weird thing where he can't drink any alcohol. What is that? That is a reference to a unique and special way of serving the Lord called Nazarites, okay? Nazarites, they did not drink alcohol, they did not cut their hair, and they did not touch dead bodies, okay? So they were basically holy hippies who couldn't work at a funeral home, okay? That's Nazarites. All right, so that, he's saying John's going to be a Nazarite. That's neither here nor there. Let's keep going. Um, picking it up at the end of verse 15, it says, And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. Now, this is not a big deal. It is a huge deal. Zechariah would have known his Old Testament. He would have known that, yes, the Holy Spirit came on people. The Holy Spirit would fill people, but Zechariah would have also known that the Holy Spirit only did that to the superstars, like King David or the prophets who spoke the words of God. And so now Zechariah is hearing that his baby boy is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit from before he's ever born. It's a huge deal. This is no ordinary baby. The angel continues and he's going to say what John the baby is going to do because he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's pick it up in 16. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Okay, right there at the end of those verses, we get the the goal, the aim, the end game of the Holy Spirit filling John. It's to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. Do you see that in those verses? So the Holy Spirit, he fills John so that John can get people ready for Jesus. To borrow Christmas images, we don't want to be the innkeeper who when Mary and Joseph show up, we say, sorry, there's no room in the inn. No, we want to have our hearts prepared for the Lord, kind of like the lyric for joy to the world. Let every heart prepare him room. Jesus is coming. The king is arriving, and we want to make space in our hearts for him so that when he shows up, he can find a place to call home in our hearts. It's kind of like leaving milk and cookies for Santa Claus or cleaning up your house real fast before Citigroup gets there, only it's way more real and it's way more important. Jesus is coming and the Holy Spirit wants to get us ready for Jesus. This is one of the most primary, important, and powerful functions of the Holy Spirit, both then and now to help your heart say yes to Jesus, to help you embrace Jesus. The Holy Spirit works in us so that we will recognize and respond to Jesus. Have you ever thought about how easy it is to miss Jesus? Right, he's one of the most famous, if not the single most famous 
leader or figure in world history, and yet we can still miss him. Scholars have studied the words and the teachings of Jesus for over 2,000 years, analyzing his vocabulary, weighing the trustworthiness of all that he said and taught, yet they can still miss him. Churches can gather and sing songs and preach sermons and reach people, yet we can still miss him. Blockbuster movies and chart-topping music, artwork of the highest class, TV shows, name-dropping can all beat around the bush of Jesus, yet we can still miss him. City Light, the Holy Spirit does not want us to miss Jesus. He works in us so that we can recognize and respond to Jesus. Amen, church? And some of you, you've experienced this. You've had this going on and you didn't know what to call it, right? Like you started to think about Jesus in the regular flow of life. You're driving and you're thinking about Jesus. You're like, I did not expect that. You start to kind of want to go to church, even though previously you didn't want to go to church. You maybe even start to talk about Jesus with admiration. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. He is getting you ready to recognize and respond to Jesus. The Holy Spirit did it 2,000 years ago by filling a baby in the womb, and he still does it today in you and in me. So now the question becomes, how does he do that? Like, what work does the Holy Spirit do to help us get ready for Jesus, Well, the verses, verses 16 and 17, they answer that question for us just the same. So go back to verse 16, and we're going to look through looking for some action words. I'm going to need your help a little bit. Verse 16 says, and he will, what's the next word, church? Turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to, what's the next word? turn the hearts of the fathers to the children. And it's implied here. It's not written out, but it's implied in the language to turn the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So three times the word is either written or implied. Turn, turn, turn. To every season, turn, turn, turn. Some of you just went back to the 1970s right there. Sorry about that memory, all right? So the Holy Spirit, he works in us so that we will recognize and respond to Jesus by turning us, okay? It is this sovereign and supernatural work that the Spirit does in our hearts where he turns us, he transitions us, he repositions us towards Jesus. Previously, we were not towards Jesus, not thinking on Jesus. The Holy Spirit turns our hearts to think, feel, and move towards Jesus Christ, Now, there's three turns that these verses talk about, three turns that the Holy Spirit specializes in, three turns that he does. We'll track through them. Number one, the first turn is this. Through John, the Holy Spirit will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. Now, the children of Israel were religious people. Okay, these would have been the people who grew up going to church and memorizing Bible verses and staying out of trouble. They were really religious. And here it's saying that the Holy Spirit's going to turn them not to more religion, but turn them to the Lord their God. 
I would say it this way. The Holy Spirit turns us from religion to relationship with Jesus. He turns us from doing stuff to knowing someone, from trying harder to trusting freely. The Holy Spirit loves to work this turn, and similar to what he did back then with the children of Israel, he's still doing it today in our midst. I love watching this happen. You can see it happen on people. They'll come in here, and you can just see the weight of religion pressing down on their shoulders. They're trying so hard, but they know they are failing. Outwardly, outwardly, they look like they're on point, but inwardly, they're wasting away. But then they hear the gospel. They hear what Jesus has done for them instead of hearing all that they're supposed to do for Jesus. And the Holy Spirit comes along. He takes that gospel and he relieves the religion and he replaces it with relationship with Jesus. The Holy Spirit turns us from religion to relationship with Jesus. It's amazing. It's awesome. So can I be honest? Can I be personal? Some of you know about Jesus, but you don't yet know Jesus. And because of that, the church attendance and religious living thing has kind of turned your heart sour. But the Holy Spirit wants to turn you from religion to intimate relationship with Jesus. The gospel is good news, not good advice. It's good news that God loves and saves sinners like you and me through Jesus, not through you attending church more, not through you cussing less while you're at work. He does it through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And so the Holy Spirit comes along and in you, he wants to highlight the hope of that gospel. The beauty of Jesus, that Jesus forgives sin and he embraces sinners and he wants to know you personally. The Holy Spirit wants you to have an intimate relationship with Jesus that leads to life abundant instead of rules galore. Oh, religious friends among us, can I invite you, would you join me and us other recovering religion-aholics. Might you have the humility to admit that Christianity has been more of a theory or a checklist to you than a relationship with Jesus? Might you have the courage to step out from under the weight of religious performance and into the freedom of the grace of Jesus? Would you pray? And would you say, oh, Holy Spirit, would you turn me? change me. And here's a big one. Would you convert my heart to relationship with Jesus? I'm tired of outward conformity without inward transformation. Holy Spirit, turn me from religion to relationship with Jesus. That's turn number one. And then it goes on in in verse 16 and 17. It highlights a second turn. And this turn is this. Through John, the Holy Spirit will turn the hearts of fathers to their children. Now, this is fascinating to me. 
how did parenting make it in this list of like the three turns the Holy Spirit specializes? Like, where did that come from? I'd think like the Holy Spirit would be more concerned with different stuff or bigger stuff or something like that. But here's the key. In any generation throughout history, as the fathers go, so go the children. And it's not just a biblical teaching. It's actually a sociological fact. It's a statistical reality. As the dads go, so go the kiddos. And a key mark, a sure sign of a movement of the Holy Spirit, a sure sign of a revival is when dads get lit on fire with a passion for their children to know Jesus. If you want to know a spirit-filled man, just look around and look for a dad who adores his children. The Holy Spirit turns the hearts of dads to delight in their children. So dads, can we talk a little bit? Can we engage a little bit here? It is so easy for our hearts to be turned towards just about anything else except our children. We've got work to do, money to make, grass to grow, snow to scoop, hobbies to maintain, games to watch, and a bed to sleep in. And for us men, usually our hearts are turned. We gravitate towards where we are most successful, where we are performing the best. So if you're killing it at work, then your heart and your head, it's probably at work. Now, your body may be at home around your children, but your heart is at work because you think you're successful at work and you think you're a failure at home, right? You tracking men? But here's what the Holy Spirit loves to do. In the midst of that, in the midst of distraction, he can come in, engage your heart, and turn it towards your children. He can put a fire and a passion in your heart, a love for your kiddos that you have never known before. And then get this, dads. Please hear this. When your heart is turned towards your kids, that is success. It's not once they get their act together or make your life easier. Not once they start behaving or obeying you. The success is your heart turned towards them. That's what the Holy Spirit is after. So dads, I mean, what can we do? Sorry, I'm getting fired up. What can we do, dads? How can we engage this turning process with the Holy Spirit? If we're saying, yeah, I'm distracted, man. I'm disconnected. How can we engage with the Holy Spirit? Let me encourage you to do this, dads. Talk to the Holy Spirit. It's okay. You can talk to him. He's a person. He'll listen and respond. And say, Holy Spirit, turn my heart to my kids. And then watch for impulses, okay? Watch for ideas to pop in your head or things to come up in your heart or in your schedule for ways that you can connect with your children. Now, I've been trying this myself. You might think that since I'm a pastor, then I must be a great dad. But, oh, no, it does not work that way. It doesn't. So I've been praying, okay, Holy Spirit, would you turn my heart to engage with my children? You know, like my heart's usually here because this seems successful to me. So my body may be at home, but I'm disconnected and I'm distant from the kids. So I'm going, okay, Holy Spirit, help me out. And then I'm looking for impulses. A couple weeks ago, my wife is out hanging out with friends on a Tuesday night and my children come up to me All five of them in unison. I know Josiah can't talk yet. He's only like 60 months old. But if he could talk, he would have said the same thing as the other four. They all come up. Dad, there's this really cool new movie out. We want to watch it together. And I'm thinking, 
oh, sweet. Thank you, Holy Spirit. That was an easy impulse. They like did the work for me. So I'm like, okay, kids, let's watch that movie together. What is it, kids? Dad, it's called Captain Underpants. <laughs> Captain Underpants. Okay, now I can't even show the cover of this movie on the screen. The dude, like the guy looks like an egg, okay? And he's got this red curtain as a cape around his neck or something and he's rocking the whitey tidies like he's a superhero and all five of my kids in unison are saying dad let's watch captain underpants i would have said guys there's probably a good soccer game on maybe we could watch that or something other than captain underpants but i'm trying to listen to the holy spirit and then look for impulses and so guess what we did we watched captain underpants And it's kind of funny because some of you are judging me right now for watching that waste of a movie with my children. And that's okay because I've already judged myself, okay? After the 342nd joke about stanky bodily functions, I came to the realization, oh, this is not the Holy Spirit. (laughs) At least I hope it's not the Holy Spirit. And I judge myself. Now, here's what I'm saying. I never said that I'm doing this perfectly, I never said that I'm even doing this right. I'm just stepping into it. I'm saying, Holy Spirit, turn my heart to my kids. And then I'm looking for impulses. I'm stepping into it. And dads, will you step into it with me? Will you come on this journey of letting the Holy Spirit work in your heart? Maybe it's shooting a text to your son in the middle of the day just to tell him he's awesome. Maybe it's going shopping with your daughter after she's had a stressful day. Maybe it's changing diapers or helping with the homework. Maybe it's praying with your children every morning or reading a Bible story to them every night. Oh, dads, you can do this, dads. The Holy Spirit loves to engage you in this process. And when you ask him to turn your heart and then you look for those impulses, hear me, dads, the Holy Spirit can work miracles among your family. The Holy Spirit can change your heart. He can reroute and renew and redeem family trees when dads get lit on fire with a passion for their children. That is turn number two that the Holy Spirit loves to specialize in. Now turn number three, the last one. So we've seen that the Holy Spirit turns us from religion to relationship. He turns the hearts of dads to delight in their children. And turn number three is this. He turns the disobedient to the wisdom of the just. That's in verse 17. Now, I got to be honest. I read that phrase over and over and over again and still had no idea what it meant. I'm like, I don't know what you're saying. If there was ever a Bible verse with too many college-level vocabulary words that I don't understand, this is that verse. But here's what I also know. One of the best ways to get to know the Holy Spirit is to study the Holy Bible. So I'm like, I need to do some digging here and figure this out. So I did some digging, and here's what I discovered. That word disobedient in the original language means apathetic or skeptical. It's getting at something deeper than just outward obedience to law or disobedience to law. It's getting at the heart. It can mean apathy or skepticism. And then that phrase, wisdom of the just, literally translated, it can mean knowledge of the holy. So I'd say it this way. The Holy Spirit turns the skeptical to the knowledge of the holy. 
So skeptics who have questions and hurdles and hang-ups will begin to take intellectual steps towards not their own knowledge, but to the knowledge of the holy. So stick with me, especially if you are one of those skeptics, because what we're seeing here is that the Holy Spirit has the power to not only change our hearts, but he has the power to change our minds. You can come to him with your biggest questions or your deepest doubts, bring those to him, and he will say, I hear you. And there are answers for those questions or those doubts. Let's go on a journey together. It is a journey of turning, a journey of changing. It's a journey of knowing more than what you can touch or see, but not less than what you can touch or see. It is a journey towards the knowledge of the holy. And this is why I love the Holy Spirit. Because without ever violating your mind, he can change your mind. And so if you're here this morning and you're in a place of skepticism, you're just having trouble connecting the dots of Christianity, you just can't quite reconcile your knowledge to the knowledge of the holy, that's okay. You are welcome here, but can I invite you? Will you stay engaged? Will you keep on studying and asking and learning, engaging what God has clearly taught in the Bible and seeing if God might change your mind? Oh, don't hole up, don't wall off, don't go independent, and don't go rogue. Maybe as you engage God in his clear teachings, he will change your mind. Maybe you'll be able to say yes to Jesus with both your heart and your mind. That is the work of the Holy Spirit. Turn number three. So City Light, I hope as we've looked at these turns, you're beginning to discover just how incredible the Holy Spirit is. He makes us ready for Jesus. He can turn our hearts and our heads from religion to relationship, from skepticism to knowledge of the holy. He can turn you dads to delight in your children. And he does all that work in a life-giving, joy-filled, integrity-soaked way. He is brilliant, this Holy Spirit. And now I want to close this way, just to wrap things up. Did you notice through whom the Holy Spirit's going to do all this work. Did you notice how it's going to happen? Like he's not promising to do all these turns and getting us ready for Jesus by sprinkling magic Holy Ghost powder down on us, right? Like, ah, spirit sprinkles, right? Saturday Night Live, 1990s, I got it, okay? That's not how he does it. How does he do it? He does it through a man, through John, the cousin of Jesus. Now, we know it is the work of the Holy Spirit, right? Because John is filled with the Holy Spirit. He's directed and he's influenced by the Holy Spirit. But we also know that it is being done through another person, through a real human being. And City Light, this is why we love city groups. This is why we fight to not just be a crowd, but to build communities among us because the vast majority of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life will be done through other people. If you forget everything else about this sermon, 
and remember this one line, that would be great. That would be enough. The vast majority of the work of the Holy Spirit in your life is going to come through other people. So when the Holy Spirit turns you from religion to relationship, he does it through relationships with other people who are going to love you and pray for you and cheer you on in that turning process. And dads, whenever the Holy Spirit turns your heart to delight in your children, he's going to do it through other guys around you who will pick you up when you fall down. They'll challenge you when you just want to give up. They will laugh at you. They will joke with you, and they might even cry with you when the ladies aren't around. And skeptics, the way the Holy Spirit's going to change your mind is through other thinkers, students, debaters, prayers, listeners who will ask you questions, hear you out, and then gently point you back to Jesus. Oh, the Holy Spirit works. He works masterfully, and he works miraculously, yet he still does it through people. So City Light, may we be a people of the Holy Spirit who are enjoying relationship with Jesus and enjoying relationship with one another. Amen, church? Amen. Let's pray together and ask this Holy Spirit to do his work in our hearts. Oh, Holy Spirit of God, would you come and work in this church family? I'm so thankful it's a family Sunday, even though we didn't like plan all this. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, would you do a work among us dads and future dads, regardless of how old our children are, young, old, regardless if they have children or don't have children yet. Would you do a work in us dads that turns our hearts to delight in our children and see them love Jesus? Holy Spirit, would you do a work among the religious among us? Would you transform them, turn them to a delightful, intimate relationship with Jesus? Would you help them to see the beauty of Jesus? And then would you do a work among the skeptics too, Holy Spirit? Working in their minds and through their minds so that they can see all the good truth of Jesus. Embrace and understand and submit to the teachings of Jesus that leads to life abundant. Holy Spirit, have your way in our church. We belong to you. Would you come and fill us in a fresh way? So like Ephesians 5 says, we would go out of here singing songs and hymns, praise to our God throughout the week. Holy Spirit, fill us for all that you've called us to. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.